speaking such a true, let's start the worship, Liz. God is introducing us into friendship. And I want us to, every single one of us, to, though we're coming collectively, I want us to be very, very personal. What God is inviting us into is a privilege. It's an honor to be called by God. And I want you to take these words seriously. So, you know, these times we don't think about time. You know, when we get into the mood of prayer or worship, we don't think about time. There's only one sole focus. And my prayer this morning when I was coming down here is that I believe in my heart that every experience we're having in this prayer, word and worship season is only to bring us to a level of friendship. Now, you're going to have to bear with me today in how I have to articulate that to you. And I think what is usually easier is that in scripture or when preaching, I find it easier that men tend to not forget stories. Stories are usually the easiest way of keeping information going. Are you listening to me, yeah? We tell stories. Some of us are... 27 26 25 most of us are in our 20s yet you still remember the stories you were taught in nursery you may not know um, lessons but you definitely remember the stories you know songs why songs are important as well because they are an expression of prayer too so when we began to say that we will not trade you for silver and gold that's deep to us but that's also deep to God because there was a generation of people that traded him for gold there was a generation in fact they were called the church a church an assembly as scripture would say in the wilderness traded him for gold because God was someone that they wanted to have hold of but I want to start off today with revelations 2 when God begins to say to us that, listen, I've seen your love. I've seen your perseverance. I've seen how you have not tolerated the wicked people and all of these things. Because you remember that in this scripture, the son of God will begin to address the churches. He will tell them what he's happy with and what he's not happy with so that they can be the best. But at one point he speaks to a church, the church of Ephesus, and he actually says to them, but what I will, what is making me to possibly be in the position whereby I will come quickly. This is what scripture says. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. So a man receives revelation of the son of God and the son of God begins to say things to them. John was a close companion of Jesus Christ. And whatever he's um, issues, the persecutions he will go through. Remember that in chapter 1 he'll begin to say that he's on the island of Patmos for the word's sake. What John did is that even though the world looked more in number, even though the voices of the world was more louder than his single voice, John chose, and I'm going to relate this with something later, but John chose to take the side of the word. Sometimes the word side don't look the most popular. It doesn't look like the most favorable at first. The word side tells you sacrifice. The world side tells you to be greedy. But you see, what I want you to see is what God was able to entrust John with because John was able to take the side of the word. And I don't want you to miss any moment of what I share with you because God is still forming leaders. 
I think the predominant thing that God is doing within us is he's forming us into leaders. He's shaping us. He's making us. Every time we're in God's presence, he's making us. Are you here with me? So that's not saying that the first generation or the older generation is done away with. Of course not. What God is actually doing is expanding this work. That's why I said that be ready to, ex to receive a number of people that we've never seen before. God is getting ready to expand. So to the leaders, God is calling us to a higher position. To those that are about to enter, God is calling you to a higher position. Every single person is a partaker of what God is doing. But John got to a place where he chose the word side. And now the Bible actually lets us know that the son of God looked at John and said, I'm going to begin to entrust messages to my church, to you, John. What does God want to do with us? He wants to entrust messages. While we were worshipping, I said that God wants to give us oracles, living words that will transcend generation. It will go past our time. It will go past our jurisdiction in terms of our location. It will not be held bound to the United Kingdom. It will go to all of Europe. It will go to Africa. It will go to those that are not yet born. It will go to those who cannot yet speak. I'm speaking to you out of what the Spirit is impressed in my heart. But what God wants to do is find those that have sided with Him. He wants us to understand that this is actually a relationship. And this is why I believe that in this time, what He's pulling us into is friendship. You remember comments from Christ when He said that I used to call you servants. You were, in quotes, errand boys. You are people that I would say do this and you go and do this. But there's a level of intimacy that you have reached whereby I will no longer call you servants, but I'll call you friends. What God has shared with me, I will now share with you. So the son of God says to John one day, even though you're on the island of Patmos, I, I started to think, what was his means of mailing letters in a place that he was called to exile? God told him to speak before he can see an audience that he can speak to. I want you to not be small-minded and think that we're in a room in Hartsmead Road and think that this is going to be a reason, that this is a setup and God may not be wanting to speak to nations through this moment. God is actually preparing you. He's giving you words that you would send. Somehow it will get through to nations. So we look at John and one of his first messages or first letters is going to be to the church in Ephesus. And this is what God says to him. The son of God says to him, read for us, please. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The ministers of God, the churches, the one that is in control of them. This is the author. This is the source. This is the reason why they stand. Now, this is the message from me to them. Can you be the bearer? Do you remember when Isaiah began to complain and said, who would believe our message? God is raising you and I up as those that will bear his message. But you see, it has to be a level of person. And this is my point today. The type of person that can take these messages are not people that dwell at the bottom. These are people that has fought through, has gone against gravity, has gone against the pain of their body to Go and climb to the mountain top to hear what God is really saying. So he says to the church of Ephesus, what? And walks among the seven golden lampstands. Yeah. 
I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. You've done it all. That it seems, you know, well, I want to show you this because last week we looked at um, Jezebel, right? And we saw a church that he complained to saying that I've seen you do all of this, all of this, but you tolerate that harlot, the one that calls herself a prophet, you tolerate her. We've now gone to this church and we see that he has not tolerated. This church does not tolerate wicked people. So it's almost like there's an everlasting demand that God puts on his people. Are you here with me? What God wants to do, let me just say the main point of everything that God is saying today. What God wants to pull us out from is a certain level that we have dwelt in for too long. And he's pulling us to a high. But you see, today in your spirit, you're going to feel a resistance. And let me tell you now, this resistance is not a resistance from the devil. This resistance is separating the strong from the weak. This resistance is going to show who is able to push through. So when we pray today, those tuned in or those here, when we pray today, it's a vehement cry. It's a prayer that defies the walls of your body. What I mean by that is you are not constrained to how you think people are going to look at you. You're crying and you're saying to God that I will be amongst the free that makes it to the top of the mountain. I am going to be a bearer of the message from the source to his church. Well, God wants to raise you and I as our prophets, apostles, men and women of God that bear the message of God. But you're going to have to press in. So why I said that though is collective and I'm going to address this. You see, a few of you, many of you actually have asked me, how do we carry such atmosphere into our private prayer places? And I had to explain this, but let me use this opportunity to explain this. What you should never do, guys, is be moved by how you feel in these sessions. What I mean by that is, of course, we enjoy the presence of God. And the presence of God will be like no other here. Because this is the body of Christ. Like Pastor Toby taught us that he will be within you. The Holy Spirit comes when two or three are gathered. So when we come together... There's a corporate anointing. Do you remember when we used to call it that? There's a corporate anointing activated. The Spirit of God finds nowhere else but here to come. And He begins to show us realities. He begins to show us visions. He begins to put a thirst, a longing in you. So you realize that the things you should actually be experiencing is a desperation for His Word. Not an encounter that made you cry all the time. If not, you'll be a person that is according to feelings and going ahead of myself, you'll be defined as the church in the wild. Church in the wild is not talking about a jungle church. Church in the wild is the church that needed a golden calf because they needed to find an object that makes them feel God. They were a feeling church. They were not a faith church. So they based everything about God, about having something that they can touch. But God is a prerogative. What that means is that he's, he's individual, he's exclusive. He's an individual, a right, a privilege, exclusive to a certain class or character or individual. So God does not determine himself by what you want him to be. Are you listening to me? 
I've gone ahead of myself, but what God wants us to understand is that what this atmosphere is to do is to catapult your personal prayer time. In that time, you begin to groan. You don't even know how to pray no more. It gets to a place that you start to yearn. You start to groan. You, you're just asking God, God, show me your face. I get to a place whereby I say to God, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. You have to teach me. I found the conversation of Moses and we're going to go to Moses today. But I saw the conversation of Moses where he said, I cannot speak. And God said, I am the one that forms the mouth. I'm the one that makes one deaf and one mute. I'm the one that makes one blind and one see. But what I actually want you to understand is that I am the one that forms this mouth. So go and I will teach you how to speak. What God is calling us into is deeper than feelings, though you experience feelings. So for me, I told you that I can't let go of certain worships we've had because at that place of worship, it reminds me of the groaning. And it keeps me in the atmosphere. Let me tell you something that's above um, praying in the spirit. Groaning. When the spirit begins to intercede for you in wordless groans, that's what scripture says. That's higher. But you know what happens many at times? Many of us grows to a place where that the only focus in our lives are no longer God. We have God and our relationship. We have God and our business. We have God and that offense. We have God and our aspirations. But when it's just God, are you listening to me? When it's just God, what happens is that we elevate to a place where you begin to groan. Have you not realized that you see, the, the, when Christ was in the garden, we can tell the type of prayer he prayed. But when he's at the mountaintop, you don't know the way he prayed. That place of prayer is exclusive. That place of prayer, not everyone can have access to. It's a depth of the spirit. And this is where God wants to bring us to. Are you hearing me, COD? This is where it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how long you're here, how long you've been here. This is the reason why we gather because at this time, what God does is that he levels all of us up to a ground so that we can all push together. So you see, when you experience these worships and these prayers and the word, what you're really meant to take from it is actually what the word said what you're really meant to take from it is the counsel of God because if you're subject to feeling then when you don't have the feeling you would then determine to yourself that God is not here when his word actually says where two or three are gathered he is there in his presence so you see feeling will now be what regulates your faith if I don't have the feeling if I don't have the shivers if I don't have the goosebumps that I felt when a worshiper began to sing or when there was a certain type of groan in the spirit then I will have no faith that is here and the problem with that is that he's here his power is available but you'll make nothing of that power because feeling told you that God was not here so what you're meant to take from this is you would realize and this is what I want you to understand you must understand as great as the mountain experiences are, God never caused anyone to stay there. Moses will dwell there for 40 days. Elijah will go there as an attempt to run from a life, but then God will send him back. Jesus Christ, the perfect example, so that we don't get lost with just Moses and Elijah and the prophets of old. Jesus Christ, the son of God, 
would actually spend the mountaintop only for a night season. He will be there for the night, but in day he will have to go back. So as beautiful as this atmosphere is, we must know that there's something we take from it. And what do we take from it? God's counsel. All of a sudden, like I said, you will just have a desire to know God more. You will have a desire to please God more. You become more conscious of his presence. Before sin, you know when sin wants to come again, this time you'll be, you will experience, you'll be aware that God is even more present with you and you wouldn't want to go down that way. That's what these atmospheres do to us. But collectively, it pulls us up to a ground. As an individual, you cannot generate such atmosphere. But together, we, we, there's a power that is administered to us to take all of us from our low ground to a higher ground. What God is calling us into is friendship. And you see, friendship, those are never counted in great numbers. Abraham was a friend. Moses was a friend. Elijah was a friend. You don't see the masses there. But you see, what is good though, is that when it came up to Christ, Christ became an accommodating place for people. Do you remember scriptures when the Bible says that our life is hidden in Christ? So when Christ goes to the highest place, we are also there with him. That's the blessing that we have in the name Christ. That's the, 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 the access we have in Christ. That we are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. So what Moses can go up to the mountain without Joshua with, Christ can actually bring us there. But again, let me not go ahead of myself. So I want you to understand these things. The second thing I want to address is the thing about the numbers. It's amazing what we're finding. The, the secrets. The, the revelations. The mysteries. But I don't want you to become people that are lost in numbers. Because then you will start counting everything. The numbers and don't forget what PT started off with if not all of this revelation would just be wow but you would not know how to apply it to your life what God wants us to pay attention to is patterns not numbers he that's why PT started off with saying things like propensity and the inclination how an individual can be doing something and not realizing but they are in pattern the power of God in the pattern of God are you hearing me so I want you to be more conscious about the patterns when you begin to enter the pattern of giving, when you look in scripture, you know what your end will become. Are you hearing me? But let's move on. So Revelation 2, what did he say again? He said that, but you have not, read it anyway, go on. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. Yeah. And have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. Yet I hold this against you. What he's about to say was enough to hold something against the church that was full of love. The church that has persevered. The church that is patient. The church that was actually doing all the acts that a church is supposed to do. Yet this one thing I hold against you. What did he say? You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken. Uh, one of the other translations says you have left your first love. And you know when we hear the word left... What it implies to us is that love is actually a place. You have departed from there. 
I want you to consider the things that you have departed from. You know, I, 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 I said to some people that, you know, this is the way I pray. In the place of prayer, I can be worshipping for hours. In the place of prayer, I can be groaning for hours. I can be praying in the spirit. This is my expression of prayer. But you see, what happened was that most of the times, and it's called your first because that's the first encounter you had with God. Are you listening to me? I'm going to keep repeating this so I know that you're with me. The first place, your first love was, you know, if Chrissy's first love was prayer, what world would try to do to Chrissy is when trade and family becomes a burden on her, she will trade trade and family for her first love. Not you, obviously. I'm using it as an example. What we tend to do, so what I wanted to actually speak to you about is, first point, is relationship. Why has God got such a thought pattern behind relationship? And let me even compare it with a man and a woman. A man and a woman. A man must show his commitment to the church. Does God not speak to us as married? Um, the marriage is a mystery. It speaks something larger than man and woman. It's a between Christ and the church Christ was committed to the church the church was the fallen state the Bible says husbands be considerate as you live with your wives as the weaker partner what the church was to represent or what marriage or relationship in case someone says I'm not a husband or a wife I'm just going with what I was taught what I was taught when the and let me think let's think about it like this this is why you see scriptures like wife of your youth. I'm not going to rush this, by the way. This is why the scripture would speak about wife of your youth. What makes a woman your wife, according to scripture, wasn't the white, um, the white wedding. Did you hear what I said? It wasn't when you had a white wedding. That's not what made someone a wife. It was the moment you decided to commit. What God is looking for. So relationships, again, listen to what I'm saying. Relationships, marriages were to represent a bigger mystery what god takes pleasure in is the man that is committed even to the weakness of their partner so what happens is that do you know what usually happens before one is anything let's use relationship as example before one is anything they are committed to their relationship they're committed to their partner yeah what then happens is that, and let's look at some of the stories we've seen before. What happens is that a person now grows. They're in that relationship. They grow. They grow in power. So people are added to them. Finance is added to them. A name and relevance is added to them. And then what happens? All of a sudden, you see people that will, make, that will divorce their partner. They will cut ties with their partner. I want to use that illustration to represent what happens with the church. What happens with the church is that when nothing was there, they were committed to their first. When things came, they despised their first because of the many that came. But what they don't know is that it's actually their commitment to the first. I speak about a lot of things, but it's a mystery still. Your first is God actually looks at men and women and honors their ability to be committed to a thing. Don't over-exaggerate relationships, you know. Let You can choose for everything to be a message 
to your God. Or you can make relationships something that is a selfish thing. I'm not just talking about relationships. I'm saying that you can apply God's word to everything. And God's word is that for my marriage with Ashley, I choose for it to be beyond my selfish needs. I choose for it to be a representation of God's word. That God is looking for men and women that can be committed. So what God was looking at the church was that you grew. What God was saying, what the Son of God was saying to the church in Ephesus is that you grew. You started and as because people don't have opponents until they've grown to a certain level. People don't experience persecution until they've grown to a certain level. So God says you've grown and now you've got persecution and yeah, you fight against it. The only problem I have with you is that what was your first? You abandoned. So what God calls us into is what's your first? For me, I know my first was prayer. Prayer was a place. I didn't know anything else. I couldn't see the people I see today. What God called me into, the only thing I knew, my first interaction was the place of prayer. And what God wants to awaken us to is that as you grow, responsibilities will try to pull you away from your first. But what God is calling you into is that even with the increased ability or the increased responsibility, sorry, I do not want you to abandon your first. If COD is based on prayer and word, the new family businesses or the new amount of people that are coming should not be a thing for you to abandon your first. Because that's your power based. That's actually your reason why. That's why you have power. That's why you have a family business. That's why you have people. And the moment you start to abandon that place, the light that draws all men to you, God says, I will quickly take from you. Because your first was where I decided to commit myself to you. That's where we find our, that's where we're bound together. In the place of your first. So God calls us back to a place of prayer. And prayer is more than the five minutes, though it's not subject to a long time. But the depths of intimacy, the reliance of one's spirit in their first, someone's first was given. God says, you've abandoned that. You know, it becomes harder to give when you have more. There's more problems. You know, the depth of 100 pounds is nothing compared to the depth of 10K. But God says, no, you see what made you even come to a place where you're 10K giver is actually that first. You knew that giving. So I understood that what was happening was that I started off in total. This is actually where I'm going today. I'm going to show you Moses, Elijah and Jesus. But we're going to look at the story of Moses, a man that represented absolute faith. Are you here with me? A man that represented absolute faith and what my question and what my fight was with Moses was that I thought that this was just a law abiding man of God but then I saw that same absoluteness in Christ Christ would say unless you leave all you cannot even join me as a follower you cannot even be a follower of me unless it is all so I saw in my life that when I didn't have much expenses or when people didn't look at me I used to give all. It used to be a total thing. Do you remember that Pastor Toby said for COD, what God is calling us into is not part discipleship, it's total. 
the demand of God upon a people and you see this demand of God upon a people it begins to separate men from men it begins to separate those who talk those whose zeal lasts them but for a few days or those who actually want to serve God the demands of God this is the reason why it may seem like Pastor Obi or your leaders are overbearing at times this is why you see it may not be that everyone else is doing this but there's an demand that is placed on us because there's a certain breed that God is calling for so we look at these kind of men we look at Moses Elijah these men were total people so I saw before that it used to be total up until there were expenses then you begin to calculate and maybe you're given in account maybe bigger but in heart it's not the same the abandoning of first love the abandoning of that first commitment God says that unless you return to that then I will take the light that draws all men from you I recognize that there's a candlestick in my life that's what attracts men to me and that's the only thing that attracts, attracts men and women to me so God says, unless you restore that first love, what attracts all men will go. And then you will become what I would want to also address today. A man of God of the people. We're going to look at Moses and Moses. This is not me sounding spiritual. You will understand what I mean by that. Carry on reading. Let's see if there's anything else in that. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Yeah. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So God calls us to a place of repentance. So before we get into more into the word, we're going to worship again. I'm going to ask Ozzy. And I want Ozzy to worship the worship songs she worships. Do you understand? It's intentional. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to intercede through the instruments as well because these all give glory to God too. God is bigger than what our minds comprehend. But what I want you to understand, God calls us to a place of repenting. And remember what repenting is, because Moses made God repent one time. Repenting is actually restoring your mind, reviewing things, changing your mind concerning a pattern. And this is what I want all of us to do. What is our first love? Have we lost the attachment we had with that place? Because love is actually a place. And he says, consider how far, where you have fallen from. We're asking God to restore us today. And this is not a condemnation or anything, but this is actually so that we can advance to the next level. Because unless you see the walk of God, we have thought it's been a coincidental thing. It's immaturity that tells us it's coincidental. Like, uh, I didn't know. No, a man of God is deliberate with his walk. Again, all these words that I'm sharing, they are not Pastor Obi's opinion. I'm going to show you from scripture. I told you that we're going to look between Moses and Moses. And when I say Moses and Moses, I mean Moses and Aaron. But I call them Moses and Moses. Two options of yourself. We're going to look at them. But I want you to first understand that we cannot lose this place of fire our first commitment where God first called us to are you hearing me guys so I want us just
just for a moment, we're going to do this for about however long it takes us because there's no rush. I want us to pray and worship before I take you now to Exodus. First of all, I want you to raise your voices. Now, when you pray, what you're doing, you're drawing all focus. You're drawing your soul, your spirit, your body into one place. At this time, it's not you and another person. Are you hearing me? It's not you and another person. And I'm going to show you that as well in scripture as well. There's so much in scripture, you know. But what you're praying for is that, listen, it doesn't matter how despised it looks. Don't leave your first love. Ozzy, when you're ready, you can lead us. But I want everyone to raise their voices, begin to pray in the spirit and consider if you've abandoned your first love before we get back into the word. Open up your mouths and pray and worship. meditation and restoring yourself there are things you don't say with your mouth but God knows a drifting heart your body can be here but your heart can be more attached to something else God's calling our hearts back to what he's called us into yes Lord Those that are tuned in, I want you to consider where your heart has drifted to.
worshiping, you can lead any song, but I want us to enjoy this presence right now. Your 
Exodus chapter 3. We're going to go back again into worship and prayer. Well, so let's look at Moses as God's example to us this afternoon. I want you to understand that God has placed a demand on us because there's a breed of people that he wants to see. This breed are the men of God that actually lead nations. I want to start off with saying this. God showed me that his original plan from scripture is that he that leads a nation will be a man of God. A nation is not meant to be led by a president originally. It's not meant to be led by a king originally. This was a king came out when the people began to ask to be like other nations. But you see, as for God's nation, the Bible actually shows us that it is God's man that leads that nation. So before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can become a nation, they were sown into a nation, right? Where they would be is Egypt. Are you hearing me, yeah? They will be in Egypt now, when they have grown and become a nation, is it me or the voice changed or something? Okay. When the nation, when they became a nation, God sent a deliverer. So that's what we're going to look at in Exodus 3, in Exodus 4. I hope you've got time to go through scripture. But you see, what I want you to see from this is the type of person. Now, when we talk about man of God, it's a type of man of God that leads the people. It's not just any type of man of God. It's not just any man of God. It's a type. What God wants to do with the COD family, the Pulse family, the Connect family, the Power Base family, and the Connect, uh, the, what, what am I missing? The elite family is actually raise nation leaders. The original plan of God, please keep following me with everything I'm saying. The original plan of God is that it is men of God, women of God that leads the nation. 
when man begins to ask for otherwise, then God gives them what the other nations have. But God's nation will be led by men of God. Now, why am I saying all of this? We have to now look into the type of man of God that Elijah was. The type of man of God that Moses was. Moses, from when he was, would say that God will raise for you another prophet like myself from, your, from the people. But you will hear him. Now, I'm saying all of these things because what God actually wants to do is separate people from people. What I hope is that the separation will not be between grace and near, but it will be between near and near. Yeah? So that you are not missing from what God wants to do. I don't want to be the bad example. I want to be who God has called me to be. When efforts was given to the lower Onyeka to lead, people were cast with no restraint. These people were not controlled. And I know we don't like using the word of control when it comes to leadership, but these people were free. You know, where we're going to in the scripture, you're going to see the comparison of two people of the same bloodline, Aaron and Moses, both to be called prophets, but one having the ability and the call to lead nations and the other not being able to. It's a type that God is looking for. So that you don't think that you're sub to anyone. I want you to know for sure that you can bring yourself to a place whereby you are a nation leader. And this is why I'm stressing this point. I said to you things like, you know, for a man of God or in God's eyes, God does not care how offended Tisha is. What God only cares about is the offense against the work. So you would see what actually motivated Moses' anger was actually God's anger. Moses would be angry. You know, Moses, in a funny way, really did express God. Are you ready for the word? He actually really did express God. So, you know, before we used to say, oh, because he was angry. No, I actually realized today that the reason as to why, yeah, Moses died. God will call him. And let me tell you something about all God's great people. They die in a high position. They're not low and have become nothing of the world. You know, have you heard the story? This is me going aside. You remember the young prophet and the old prophet? That old prophet became useless. And he died like another person. But you see for Moses, mountaintop, death. Elijah ascended. Christ ascended. Are you hearing me? There's a height that they were at. But what I want you to pay attention to is this of Moses. Moses was not like everybody else. God testified of Moses that Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. God called Moses because Moses' work that did not look like will lead him anywhere actually led him to God. Let's start with Exodus 3. Read from Exodus 3. I think we're going to do a lot of scriptural reading. Um, I'll try and find where I'm looking for mainly, but just start reading from Exodus 3. I'll tell you where to go. There's just some points I want you to highlight and then we carry on going. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. His now father. Moses was tending the flock that did not belong to him. What God actually wanted to do with Moses, Moses became lost in nothingness that God can now find him with something. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? 
people only try to feel or only people only assume importance when it looks like what is given to them is important what you may be told to do is cooking but you see what that was meant to do tending of the flock is meant to lead you to the mountain of God imagine he was leading sheep and he didn't know that his care for the sheep will lead him to God's mountain God will not visit him in Jethro's house God will visit him in the mountain of God but the sheep that needed food led him there Moses' encounter will come from his diligence with the small insignificant thing that God called him to do I don't know what you find or what you deem insignificant but if you are faithful in character because the care of a man really to things must be out of the love of God so Moses did know God I don't want you to think that it was God that just visited him and randomly he knew God because Moses would say I'm the God of your God would say to Moses that I am the God of your father so he already knew of God what they have not seen is God operate in their time and don't forget that what made Moses first exodus from Egypt as an individual was that it came into his heart we'll go to Acts in a moment you'd see that he actually thought that people would know that God raised him as a ruler of his people and a deliverer of his people so he actually knew God let me say this to you he actually knew God from Egypt are you listening to me he actually knew God from Egypt now what we find here is a man who intended the flock one day his flock led him to the place where he will encounter God If you're going to find God, it remains to be in your service. We made some confessions today in worship and I want you to really take hold because usually we get lost in the the sound of a song but we forget the words of a song. I was saying as we were worshipping that these words that we speak, the words are being spoken to our unstable mind and soul our soul and mind becomes unstable because of the many things going on in the world but when we speak the word of god it's to bring regulation to this mind and to this soul so moses starts his journey we see the story israelites are oppressed and maybe you need to read one to three um chapter one to three but we'll just look at certain points moses service as a man and why i want you to know that's insignificant is because the first part of moses story we are told that he was a prince of one of the greatest nations in the world so that was a man of significance what did god need to bring moses to moses needs needed to have brought to a moses needed to have been brought to a place whereby he realizes that he is nothing moses needed to be humbled You know, when you're going through things in your life, it's the humility. It's the humbling period of God because what God could not use Moses, the prince of Egypt, to do, he can use a shepherd's boy to do. So Moses, in his own way, had to become, or circumstances, which we know is the divine leading of the spirit. Circumstances brought Moses to a place whereby you used to be known as the biggest giver or the biggest... Uh, mobile everyone relied on you when they thought of money they looked to you then all of a sudden it looks like you're the one struggling you're the one now being led by sheep became an insignificant man 
And I said he had to become lost because 40 years he will experience the throne. 40 years he will experience the desert. It will be a whole generation that it will almost look like God forgot him. So that's why I love the confession that he said he will never leave us. Because sometimes people use their circumstances to tell God what he's going to do. God says, just because God is quiet in your life, Sarai, doesn't mean I've forgotten you. I'm still here with you and in my own time, I'll make myself known to you. But it's your service that's going to lead you to God. Can we establish that first point? Carry on reading for me then. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jephro in his of Jephro, his father-in-law, yeah. the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Yeah. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Yeah. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. The Lord saw that he had grabbed Moses' attention. He spoke to him. I want to say this to you again. And let me consider my life so you understand me. Then you relate it with your own life. When I started doing media, it was a service that was to bring me to the attention of God. Once God believes he's got my attention, he will speak. In prayer, God does not just speak. What we do in prayer, we pray, we worship, is we are fighting through activity to a place where we've got his attention or he has got our attention, then he speaks. In other words, God will not speak to you when you're speaking to other things. God will not speak to you when there are other matters on your mind. So this is the reason why we had to say that God is Lord because it doesn't matter how things look today. It doesn't make sense according to logic to completely get rid of our day by having services in the middle of the day when we feel like we should be raising finances. But what we're going to find is that there's still a Lord over finances. We're going to figure out that there's still a Lord over finances and unless we are friends with the Lord, we will suffer the famine of everybody else. If we're people patterned, a man, a woman sent from God, formed by God, made by God, then what happens is that in famine, you can have a hundredfold. So Moses, God has grabbed his attention and now conversation begins. And it's interesting what I want you to see in this conversation. Because what God was doing was forming a man of God, a type the type that will lead a generation. There are men of God that meet, meets and ministers to groups. There are men of God that can be left here and there. But there's a type, and why this is important is because I believe this is the formation that God wants to have for us. There's a type that's made. So let's read and carry on. We've got time with this, so go on. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Yeah. Do not come any closer, God said. Yeah. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Mm. At this, Moses hid his face. Was Moses' father Abraham? Moses was going to find out that actually Moses, 
your years of importance, your years of significance, your years of being addressed to as a prince was actually still part of my plan, my faith plan for you. You was being formed into a man that I needed you to be. So Moses, I'm actually calling you here first and foremost. I'm drawing your attention to God's family. I am your father. I am the God of your father. I am drawing your attention that you're part of the family of the great. You're part of the family of God who would actually administer God to their generation. Keep that in mind and carry on. At this, Moses hid his face yeah. because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Yeah. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. You remember early in the year I said to you that God said, I have come. But then when Israel was to see God, it was Moses. Moses was God, right? Okay, you're following me, right? Okay, carry on. Into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Yeah. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Brilliant. This is where God needed Moses to get to. Moses was a prince that he had every right to talk to Pharaoh. But God had brought him to a place where he now believed he had no right. The moment you think you can speak is the moment when God will not allow you to speak. The moment you believe that you are financially stable is the moment that God would, will address that stability. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Moses was someone that lived in the house of Pharaoh. So he knew the dialect. He knew how to speak. He knew how to, um, to converse with them and all of these things. But the problem is now, 40 years of apparent forgottenness, God forgot him for 40 years, brought him to a place that he realized. Now, now why I need you to pay attention to this is because I need you to see what is God and what is Moses in this conversation. Because there are many things that we have attributed to God, which was actually Moses' confession. And it's very simple what I'm showing you here, but you would realize how you usually turn yourself away from God's call. Not understanding that he is God. He made you. He know why he called you. So look at what the Bible says. He says, go on. And God said. So he said, who am I? Right. Then God says what? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, yeah. you will worship God on this mountain. You will worship God on this mountain. What kind of sign is that though? There's no guarantee for that. I know it's you, God, saying it. But God's first promise is actually the end. God's first promise over your life is actually the end. Because what he needs to create is an image but an image you can't hold. Now, I need you to think about, about this. An image you can't hold so that it can constantly drive you. So the first sign, he said, was actually, you would actually do all the things you can't even... Moses' issue here was he could not even see himself speaking. 
to Pharaoh. God said, your sign will be that in the end, you will come here and worship me. He's saying, show me the beginning. God says, no, I'll show you the end. Carry on reading, go on. Moses said to God, yeah. suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, yeah. the God of your fathers has sent me to you. If I were you, you underline all of Moses' responses. You'll see the battle between a man and God concerning core. Go on. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Yeah. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, yeah. the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Yeah. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob appeared to me and, and, and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. Mm. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt, into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Yeah. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. God gave Moses a whole download of what he's about to do. But Moses' issue was that he just didn't think he was the man for the occasion. He couldn't imagine why or how he could be the one to do this. So the conversation carries on with signs. Moses now gets to God, into another realm of God, and he's asking God, God, give me signs to make me sure of myself that I am the man you're calling. So read from chapter 4, go on. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Yeah. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. 
Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it, pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. You know, if I was Moses here, I would think that everything that God is telling me to do is too much. I woke up innocently serving in the media team. And then somehow through my service, you're telling me the details of everything you're going to do in a nation to plunder it and for me to lead that nation. Of course, as Moses did, we will begin to question God with our inabilities. We'll begin to think, God, we can't do this. So the first thing I want you to note down about the type of man of God that leads nations, he never finds himself capable. Now, that sounds good, but you know in this life, you are taught to qualify for your role. So there's a setting in your mindset that you must fit the role. Let's look at the trajectory of, Eli uh, of Moses again. Moses was someone that had 40 years in Egypt. Then 40 years of becoming an exile, someone that was forgotten. He has built a whole new life. Now he has deemed himself as incapable. But God actually one day states of Moses that Moses was the most humble man. Moses actually became humble because he knew he was incapable but totally relied on God now look at the next verse because this has been a very controversial verse for a while verse 10 what does verse 10 say Moses said to the Lord pardon your servant Lord I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant I am slow of speech and tongue don't this look familiar Moses got to a place and he realized that his duty is going to be mainly speaking. And he said, God, I can't speak. I've got a heavy tongue. My mouth is slow. <laughs> but do you know what's amazing is that now when Stephen was going to speak about Moses, he said that Moses was mighty in words and in deeds. Is the word contradicting itself? Or is there something we need to understand about this scripture? Moses got to a place, let me keep emphasizing, that he could not see himself doing it. You know, I can be talking to a pastor, Abba, and she's now all of a sudden, overnight, told to lead. And when she's told to lead overnight, what man first sees is their inability. What I want you to understand is that God actually needed you to be weak to reveal his strength. And sometimes the way a natural man is, they fight to be strong. So you see, there'll be people that will be dealing with things secretly because they want to appear strong. But what they don't know is that it's weakening them. But God permits it to be so because he needs a person to get to a position whereby they are weak. I am weak in my finances. So God brings strength there. I am weak. So Moses got to a place and I'm thinking, okay, if this was your real reason as to why you could not believe that you would lead the nation of um, Israel, why didn't you mention it at first? Why ask so much different questions? Do you know what he was trying to do? He was trying to find an excuse 
for him not being it. You know, for years I kept saying, oh, I prefer other people to do this, this and that, that, that. And I know with you, you would also say the same. You will prefer that someone else does what you're doing. When you're really hit with a call of God, I'm talking. When you really realize that you're not worthy or you're not able. You know, worthy is one thing. Able is another thing. You're not able to do it. I want to say this because if you're still relying on your strength in your role, you have not yet involved God's power. So I expect you to get tired. I expect you to get to a point where it looks like you've been doing you're doing and nothing's happened. God needs you weak. That's the humble position. So now, Josh, get Acts 7 up. When, when Stephen started to account history, speaking the word of God, his testimony of Moses was that Moses was actually mighty in words and deeds. Now, we can interpret that as anything. We can interpret it as, you know, an individual says, uh, you know, it's like someone in gym. I used to hate Pastor David for this. Pastor David, when you feel his muscles, you, you'll just be thinking like his muscles wants to burst past his skin or something. So we'll be feeling it and then we'll be saying, hey, you're big. And he'll be like, oh no, I'm skinny. You know, that truth that people don't view themselves as they should. You know, no, you're skinny. You're not hench, you know. But you know, like we do this thing whereby other people are able to see what is really on you. Now that's one interpretation. But that's not where I'm going. I have to address it so we can move past it. The issue here isn't a fight of if Moses was a good speaker or not. The issue here was Moses' inability to communicate. That's two different things. God is calling us to be a type of man of God. And I want to show you what Aaron became and what Moses is. And this is the reason why Moses exists to now. Moses became a man and God wants us to become this man. So let's quickly read Acts 7. Then you're going to go back to where you are. Go on. At the time that Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. Oh, I miss IBO. This <laughs> is <this> baritone voice. <laughs> go on, go for it. At that time, Moses was born. And he was no ordinary child. What verse are you reading from? 20. Read from verse 17 first. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At the time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. Scripture ref references to Moses and he says that Moses was actually no ordinary child. They spoke about the many that were killed. They were charged by the new king to kill their newborn babies. What I want to show you is that immediately scripture separated Moses from the masses. What Moses was going to go through was because of what God wanted to do through him. Now Moses was no ordinary child. This is what Stephen testifies. What I want to say to you is that you are not ordinary. This is the reason why you have friends, you have cousins, you have family who are not necessarily bad people. But in their masses they do this. Now you're separated amongst them. But it's because you are no ordinary child. 
there's an introduction to God's family that God is going to make known to you through your service. There's a day that he's going to call you to lead in a capacity that you know that you are not able to do. But again, what I'm saying, and I want you guys so that your mind can be stirred as I'm speaking to you. I'm not talking about his ability to be eloquent or not. That's what scripture referred to. Now let's see what spirit says. But carry on reading, go on. For three months, he was cared for by his family. For three months, he was cared for, yeah? When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Pharaoh's daughter knows the instruction of her father that all babies should be killed. It's not by chance that a baby is, um, is on the river or wherever it is. She knows that someone's attempting to flee from that instruction. But Kor, because of who Elijah will be, Kor pulled Elijah, uh, no, I keep saying Elijah, Kor, because of who Moses will be, made Pharaoh's daughter see him favorably. Situations that will look after him until his day of manifestation. So she takes him in, defying the whole, defying the instruction that actually came from her own household. Moses grows in that household. Then what happens? Go on. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses was educated in all the wisdom. Egypt was not a place for the homeless or the dumb. You couldn't be king and be an imbecile. This was a person that will be taught. Have you seen in Babylon, the kings there, they had to teach Daniel and Cole all kinds of languages, all kinds of things. So Moses, according to Stephen, was taught in all wisdom and knowledge to the point that it was said of him that he was mighty in works and deeds. I know that this is not according to God's call over Moses' life. Because it just said that he was taught by the Egyptians. So this is in reference to his first 40 years, right? But then chapter 4 verse 10 says to what? What does Moses say? Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. Yeah. I have never been eloquent. I have never. In my own scope of mind, there's never been a time that I've been able to communicate properly with people. I've never been a man of eloquence. And for the magnitude of core, I feel that it needs someone that's an expert or someone that is better to fulfill that core. What God wants to do with some of you guys is raise you up as the new leader of the finance world. But you think you're not able to communicate. Again, the issue is not eloquence. The issue is communication. Communication goes deeper than eloquence. Someone can learn the art of repeating words. They can soak in words and be able to repeat it. Communication is total understanding in order to then part or to reflect or to pass to another person what you're saying. Now, what Moses said he has an issue is, is what I comprehend, I struggle to relate it to somebody else. But that was going to be the man that God raises as a man of God that leads nations. Through this conversation, what happens is that now Moses begins to bargain with God and says, send an expert. Don't send me. But what we realize is that it wasn't actually eloquence that made Moses run. Moses was afraid. 
of the magnitude of core. This is the reason why he, and this is the reason why he asked different questions. He said, oh, if people say this, so he anticipated people rejecting him because they have not heard God. It was one stage of an excuse. There were other excuses to the point that he said, okay, you know, I realized that this role will involve me speaking and I'm not able to. I'm not able to communicate. And God said, so carry on reading verse 10, go on. You're going to go back to Acts 7 still, go on. I have never been eloquent. I've never been eloquent, yeah? Neither in the past nor since you have... Neither in the past or since. Even God, now that I know you, now that you've revealed yourself to me, you have not untied my tongue. You have not helped me in communicating. Since the time in past till now that I'm speaking to you, I have not seen a change of my ability. Yet you call me to lead a nation. Please read it because I need you to hear me. Go on. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Yeah. I am slow of speech and tongue. Yeah. The Lord said to him. Look at what the Lord says. Go on. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who gave you your mouth? The, the mouth you have, the ability you have. Please to understand that this is not isolated to Moses. Think of Gideon. Gideon was approached in his time of weakness as a mighty man of valor. He was told that he was a mighty warrior to lead his people. God was actually saying to him, who calls the mouth to speak? Who gives words to the man to preach? Who gives the ability? Who's the one that is the power? So you look to your mouth to the ability to do what you're called to do, but you should actually look to me who empowers the mouth. So look at what God then goes to say. Go on. Who makes them deaf or mute? Yeah. Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Mm -hmm. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak. Is it not I, the Lord? So God was trying to draw the source of the power to do to God, not in your own ability. So when we sing songs like we'll sing later, I have no power of my own. It's a position God needs you to get. If not, your role in admin will be according to the power of Diana. It will not be according to the power of the Spirit. The problem with that is that for a normal company, that's fine. They rely on your expertise and your, your diligence. But according to the church, only the Spirit has duty of building it. So what Diana needs to get to is a place where she's totally weak. And that's more than a confession. That's actually you acknowledging that. That's you actually realizing, sizing up yourself against the core and realizing it's not possible. It is at that point that God visits man. So carry on reading, go on. I will help you speak yeah. and will teach you what to say. God says, I will help you speak. So the first instruction God gives Moses is go. While you're there, I will teach you. When he says, go and make a trade and family, there are other people that's got every, they've got every learning. They've done all of these things. God says, don't try to learn before you go. Go and you will learn. As you are doing it, your response to what I've called you to do will introduce you to the syllabus, the curriculum, will, will introduce you to my teaching. People will see what you do and they will begin to think, how? Because your teacher is not books. Your teacher is that word, that truth that's in your heart. It's the word that God puts in your heart that will teach you. So carry on reading. We're still going somewhere. But Moses said, yeah. pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. So we know that eloquence was not 
his total excuse. He wasn't using eloquence as his excuse. He just wanted there to be somebody else. Now, this is why this is important is because it introduced you to the main scripture I want to take you to today about the golden calf. God did not intend to send Aaron, but sent Aaron by Moses' hesitation. God knows why he calls a type of people to lead the people. There will be leaders in a work, but he knows why. So why am I saying this? Every single person here called by God in this family is meant to lead a nation. Whatever that nation means, whatever that will be interpreted as, you are meant to lead a nation. But God knows why he called you. Stop making excuses. Acknowledge your weak. But go at his instruction. Because what we're going to see now is that what became a snare to even Moses eventually was the trying to set up an Aaron. Carry on reading, go on. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. So out of God's anger, he appointed Aaron. It will be no surprise that in the functions of Aaron, there will be anger that God will burn in. God will be angry. We're going to go there in a moment. You will see that God becomes angry when Aaron is called to lead. So carry on reading, then jump to 32. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Yeah. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. I know he can communicate well. I want you to understand it's more than um, having the, the, the ability to speak. It's the ability to communicate. Yeah? It's the ability to communicate. He says, I know Aaron, he can speak well. Uh, what I want you to take from that is that he can communicate well. He's a man of the people. He is close to the people. He knows what to say to them in order to win them. But Moses was someone that his life pulled him away from people. Are you still with me? Carry on reading. Let's see if there's anything else there. Then we jump to 32. He is already on his way to meet you. Amazing. He's already on his way to meet you. How? 40 years he has not heard from Moses. How did he know Moses was coming? He's already on his way. Meaning... I'm already putting together the call for you. I'm already putting the call for you. Well, Aaron is meant to be, it's not a replacement of you. He's meant to be a helper to you. The problem is, once you've desired for him to lead because you feel like you're weak, what happens? The people go astray. I'm speaking about something. He said he's already on his way to you, yeah? And he will be glad to see you. And he will be glad to see you, yeah? You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Yeah. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if he, it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Go to 32. Now... Read where you were. Carry on reading where you were. Acts 7. Moses was educated yeah. in all the wisdom. What verse are you on again? 22. Go on. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and so action. So again, we see this contradiction. This, he, Stephen says he was powerful in word and in action, mighty in words and in deeds. 
But Moses started off by saying he's not able. Okay, carry on. When but, Moses was 40 years old, yeah. he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. Yeah. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize... So that you know that Moses did not just meet God in um, Exodus 4. The Bible says here in verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. So he encountered God in Egypt. Yeah? He encountered God in Egypt, but the people didn't realize. When God spoke to him here, was God calling him into a bigger call? Now, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Carry on reading, Josh. Yeah? And let's now look at Moses' attitude. You see, what we've, always not, what we've always done is watch the story and the magnificent story. You know, you know the problem about miracles? They can pull you away from the real message. Do you know what I found interesting about scripture? Is that Hebrews would say things like, but they did not hear him. They saw the miracles. They responded to moments of feelings. They responded to the, the power of God. But all of that was to draw attention to listen to Moses. Can you get to a place whereby you can rightly communicate with Moses? God called a people to Moses because Moses was going to be their example. I, I'm saying this slowly so you don't miss me because I've got one point. They wanted Moses to, God wanted Moses to be an example to the people. So what God said is that actually with all these miracles, I don't actually want them focusing on the miracles. They disappeared. Once they left Egypt, they started to see, in quotes, a drought of miracles. God killed the firstborn in Egypt. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw the, the, the different plagues. But when they got to the wilderness, it's like they had to beg God to see it. Because the message was not the power. The message was not the miracles. The message was Moses. But the problem is, these people failed to enter Canaan because they cannot totally communicate with Moses. What we have to now look at is, on what side was the communication failure? Was it Moses to the people or people to, the Mo to Moses? I'm not trying to confuse you. What Moses actually said is that I struggle to communicate me to people. God had not yet given him a message. So he was not saying I'm struggling to preach about you. What he was saying is that I struggle to com communicate me to people. Remember that the hearing was Moses. Oh, you, are you guys hearing me? What they needed to hear was Moses. Not the miracles. Not the substance of the sermon but Moses but Moses saw that he struggled in communicating his ideas so you know what is struggling let me try and break this down for you sometimes I struggle to communicate my giving to people if someone asks why do you give the way you do I can't communicate that to you you're just going to have to observe me until you start communicating with me his struggle was communication, not his ability to speak. That's why the Bible says he was indeed mighty in words and in deeds. But Moses, they could not hear, probably because they could not understand him. 
Hebrews will say that they did not enter because they refused to obey him. They did not hear him. They, you know, Pastor Toby has been speaking some things and we can say wow to his words, but there's a PT he's trying to communicate to us and people just did not hear. This is why faith comes by hearing and hearing. That second dimension of hearing is the understanding of the man in front of you. That's what produced faith. So I can say things, what I'm, communi- what I'm communicating with PT is beyond the sermon of yesterday. Because you can't remember all the sermons. No, what I'm understanding or what I'm communicating with PT is actually PT's service and faithfulness to Christ is a message to me. Because remember what Moses said, you didn't hear me, but eventually there'll be a prophet like me that will rise and you will hear him. No, it's so, it's the ability to communicate with the person. How can I say this? Okay, I'll, say, I'll try to say it like this. It's the ability to communicate the person that's in him to people. And people to communicate with the person in him. Pastor, Obi with words may not be articulate, but there's a message that he needs you to hear. Where were you? Go on. Where were you? It was just reading. Go on. The next day, Moses... I hope you heard me, but we'll see in scripture. Go on. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. Yeah. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? Please help me. I need to know what verse you're on. Uh, 26. 26. Okay, go on. Verse 27. But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Yeah. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Yeah. After 40 years... Had Jump to first 35, go on. 35. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words. Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and delivered by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told us, who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. I want you to think about that comment. This is the Moses. God was looking for a type of man. But what Moses desired, do you remember when Moses said that I wish that all God's people were prophets? In other words, he needed them to be all separated. He needed them to be all a type in order to lead. Because remember that the destiny of the nation Israel was to lead the other nations of the world. So they needed to be a type of people. Where am I taking you with this? Total. I'm taking you to a place where it, it's called total, where you become a friends. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Real friendship is the total commitment between two parties. It's not, you know, it's not really friendship if one is committed and the other is not. So look at what the Bible says, God. This is the Moses this- who, who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness. Another translation says he was in the church in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. We're going to praise you. And with our ancestors. And he received living words 
to pass on to us. This type of motives was the one that God gave oracles to. This type of Moses was one that God can trust a certain word to. I read something today that the workings of God was the tablets. They said that this was the works of God. And the writings was the works of God. Done by the fingers of God. This was a man that was given the ability to handle a level of word by God. A type of man. Now, where am I going with all of this? It says that he was in the wilderness... He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai with our ancestors and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him. Yeah, so you know what, why I'm speaking like this, yeah? I was upstairs praying and let me tell you why I was praying like this. I was upstairs praying and I realized when scripture said that Christ eventually said, you must eat of my body and blood, right? And what happened? People that were following him departed. Why? Christ raised the standard. Christ raised the standard. So those disciples, I can bet they eventually became disciples when the apostles rose. But what did they miss? The position to be an apostle. I'm talking to you about the type of man of God. Because you can be the man of God that God can never trust with nations. You can be the type of man of God that God cannot trust in leading. But what God needed from Moses was a type. I, I, I'm stressing this point before we go to Exodus 28, no, 32. Sorry, There was a type he needed them to be. He said, but our ancestors refused to obey him. So what Moses became was something that they rejected refusal is not ignorance refusal is really knowing it and choosing not to are you hearing me the, the standard of life when pastor told me this week because what i'm speaking to you is what the spirit ministered to me pastor told me this week started talking to women and he was talking more than women but he was talking to women and said that women shouldn't dress like this this and that now to one person they would directly refuse because what he's saying is him do you understand what they're rejecting him it's not the many words it's the servant that god has brought to a nation they're rejecting him so some people will say oh, because i want to dress like this i can't i can't accept this but the problem is you've just done away with your ability to be someone that now leads because the one percent that leads has to be an elite they have to be a type of people royalty cannot act like every other person they have to eat a certain way they have to act a certain way their marriage has to be a certain way there's a sense of control over their life but the problem is these people they saw the many miracles and they followed him as far as he had miracles and signs you know they followed pt as far as he looked financially stable and he looked like he was important but what they refused what god was actually trying to do with them was for them to accept him Remember what they did, they, ref they, they, they didn't accept Christ, but they would have had the power to be children of God, co-leaders. Are you understanding me yet? So what I'm saying to you is that God actually says to us that he's calling you to a level. But you see the level when people consider the cost of it, many people actually refuse it. 
when we begin to pray today what you're actually praying to God is that you're saying God I actually only see you nothing else actually matters it's you if you're going it doesn't matter if you're articulate or not it's if so what they actually refuse I, I, I don't want to go ahead of myself go on so um, but our ancestors refused to obey him instead they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt they told Aaron look at now why this is interesting Aaron was in Egypt with them right the Bible says they turned to um, um, Egypt but they looked at Aaron no did you hear me should I repeat it but our ancestors refused to obey him so let's look at Moses here and Aaron here Moses will represent Canaan Aaron will represent Egypt why does he represent Egypt the Bible says instead they rejected Moses and in their hearts turned back to Egypt then they turned to the manifestation so Aaron was going to be someone that represents pleasure understanding the people I want you to hear what I'm saying to you you know Pastor Toby does not consider our level of finances to tell us to give if he did he's Aaron what he does is that his place is isolated he's always with God and it is what God tells him to do that he leads the people. Not what the people tells him to do that he leads the people with. So they refused uh, Moses because what they needed was a God that they can touch. Remember what God said of Moses, that you'll be like a God to them. They needed someone that they can always touch, that they can feel, that they can feel like it's close. So in Exodus 32, go to Exodus 32. When we get to 32, what we see is that Moses has been on the mountain for 40 days. And because they don't know what he's become, 40 days they know he's without food, without water. He's out of sight. He's not always with the people, but he's called to lead the people. How do you lead the people? Be always, always be with God. Don't leave that place with God. I said to you and I said to the ministry team yesterday that the theme for me, God is calling me to face to face. You know, the dream I told you, I didn't even put them two together. God is calling me to a deeper place with him. So he says that you can't always consider the emotions of a person. You can't always consider the feelings of a person because they are people that are used to a feeling God. You know, they're moved by how they feel, not what God is doing. I, I said to you that God is exclusive. It's a right. When we say that it is God's prerogative yeah, to be where he will be, it means that he's exclusive to a right. It's a right, a privilege, exclusive to an individual class. So who God will be is who he is. He's not at your discretion. I hope you guys hear me anyway. Let me, oh yeah, 32. Before we read 32. So it says, They told Aaron, make us gods who will be before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it. And all of these things, verse 42, but God turned away from them. So when they turned away from Moses, God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun. Now, 
why I want you to pay attention to that because scripture puts it in there which means it's important they refused a level with God so God in his anger gave him gave them a worship that's beneath him God is in the highest heaven so Moses has to be a man of the highest heaven if you're going to lead people you cannot be anything less than God God is not at everyone's you know someone prays oh God uh, step in for me at this time and God says I'm not someone that responds to you you respond to me are you listening to me so you see the issue is God just said okay you know what I'll reduce their standing leave them to worship their heavenlies yeah the sun and the moon but they won't worship to me at my level so now let's go to Exodus 32 let me wrap this up quickly then we understand how we ought to pray. Go on. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down. 40 days, 40 nights, Moses has not come back. This was the Moses that took them from Egypt. This is the Moses of signs and wonders. This is the Moses that always proved to the people that God was there. The pillow, and, the pillow of cloud and fire will be where Moses is there. But now... 40 days has gone and what actually happened in fact let's read this I don't say it before it happens go on now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain yeah the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him come make us gods that shall go before us now listen to this Moses did not tell them that he's going to be with them for 40 days or night yeah 40 days and night he just said that he's going up to God yeah this was not the first time he's gone up to God for a long period of time. The test, the, what's this thing called? The laws, the Ten Commandments had already come in Exodus 19 or so. So this was now God giving them further laws of how a nation runs. Now here's what's amazing about this. And I want to hear, why I'm saying this to you is because this is what I'm actually groaning about. I'm pressing in to a higher dimension with God where I can be called a friend. What you can never hear on the bot at the bottom of the mountain is not where I want to be. I want to be where I can see God clearly. Seeing God clearly isn't a visitation of Jesus into my room. It's, you see when you open the word, you see things that others don't see. But there's a price tag for that place. If you're going to be a God in the area of finances, you must know that the demand for your life is nothing less than Moses. I said earlier that Moses, Elijah and Jesus Christ were all absolute faith people. They were total faith. They were not partial faith. They were not time dependent faith. I don't begin to worry because this should have been done in February and it's not done in February. I'm not going to be someone like that. What I'm going to be is A, Saul missed it because Samuel told him wait seven days and he counted the seven days he didn't count wait for me to come so I'm not going to be someone that's time dependent I'm not going to say I've given and I expect to change now I'm not going to say that we've been praying and I expect to change now I understand total when God called me he called me and he called a lifestyle of total nothing less you do not determine your life you wait for God for every area of your life. And if you can be that, then that's a person that God can trust with a whole nation. 
So I understand daily. I'm just looking at the growth since when I joined the nation family. You know, SPAC ministries. The demand didn't seem that much. Ash Burnham at that time was, in a, was a demand. But it seems like the demand just keeps going up financially. Word-based. Holy living. The demand goes up. But I realize it's because God's trying to fashion nation leaders. So carry on reading. This is why I said I can't rush this. But go on. For as for this Moses... The as man, for this Moses, this man, go on. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. We do not know what has become of him. We do not know what's become of him. Go on. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which oh were God. in their ears. Oh and God. Uh, this is where I need you to hear. So I stressed about mighty in words and mighty in deeds. Yeah. And then I stressed about Moses saying that he cannot, um, he's not eloquent, right? And I told you that it's more than the ability to put words together. It was actually his ability to communicate. So when we looked at Exodus 4 verse 10, when he said, I am not eloquent, I have a slow tongue and a, and a slow mouth. What he was saying is that my type of devotion to you, God, I can't communicate that to people. Are you listening to me? I can't communicate why. So when they, whenever they wanted to look for Moses, Moses was always out of their sight because he was dedicated to God. He was always looking for God. Are you listening to me? Aaron never came on the mountain. What you're going to see later is that Joshua was not with Aaron. Joshua was somewhere on the mountain waiting on Moses always trying to observe and become like him so even though Aaron was called with Moses God could not call Aaron to lead the nation he called Joshua why did he call Joshua Joshua was someone that he was trying to reason and understand the communication of Moses Moses you're meant to lead the people but you're never with the people Moses you're meant to care for the people but it's almost like they always have to ask you before water is provided. You don't move at the discretion of people. You move at the discretion of God. But so Joshua is someone that is waiting on the person. Joshua believed. The real message was not the miracles like I was saying to you. The real message to Israel was Moses. And you see, as for Joshua, Joshua so past the miracles and believed in Joshua so yes indeed was Moses good with words very good with words and how do you know that who wrote Genesis Exodus all of this does it look like a man that's struggling with words he knew how to put words together but what did he struggle in I, people don't understand why I love the way I do I, I struggle to tell them but it's actually me. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I, I'm, it's hard for me to communicate my worship to God to people. But you want me to lead. But God says, no, really, the people that will lead are those that are ever before me. So when I was talking about Elijah and always Elijah slipping out my tongue, you think about Elijah. He always said, did you notice that Elijah was someone that they always have to find as well? Did you notice that Christ was someone that they always had to find? 
The ability to lead people was the ability to wait on the Lord. You see what we're doing in these sessions? The reason why we can take so much time. You're learning how to believe. You're learning how to wait. Now, you see what happens in these sessions. As time goes, your mind is calling you back to your phone. Calling you back to old jokes. Calling you back to other things. This is someone that's attempted to go down the mountain, then falls a bit. It takes deliberate. You see, Moses' life was deliberate, guys. It was deliberate. That's what he struggled to communicate. I've been 40 days or 40 years in the wilderness. I've known you since Egypt. So for 40 years at least, I've known you, God. And the only people I can really mingle with were sheep. I couldn't even communicate myself to people. My worship, if people try to see my prayer life, they can't understand it. It's not a question of how many hours I pray. It's how I pray. It's the mindset I have. It's the reason why I don't like offense I can't hold offense longer it's because of the God that I'm forever before Elijah always used to say things and as far as the Lord lives who I stand before Elijah was not conscious of his geographical location in Israel what he was conscious of was actually that he forever stood before God so I get why he Moses can have the template of heaven because he was actually in heaven It was actually in heaven. Now, you see what I'm saying? It's weighty. It takes a lot. But what I want to say, why I had to take us through the worship and all of those things is because God actually says it's an invitation to all of us. But like the Israelites, you can choose to refuse it. You can say this is too much to ask for. God did not ask the rest of Israel to come up on a mountain for 40 days. He called for a type of Israel called Moses. So the things you do, many others don't do. But that's the reason why you're the leader. That's the reason why God shapes you. Humility is that you're at a place that you totally rely on God. So even though he had three million, he can be away from them for 40 days. Out of the care for them. But he knows that caring is actually leading them to food, word, what God comes, what God says to his nation. So you look at Aaron. You know what's amazing? Aaron didn't get punished for it. Aaron would just be a lesson to all of us. But anyway, go on. That's another day. Go and read. And brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand. Yeah. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool. Did you hear that? He was the one. Aaron, why didn't you tell them that Moses told us that we shouldn't make idols Aaron didn't really believe in Moses that's why you can see Aaron and Miriam talking about Moses sometimes they didn't believe in Moses do you know what people do they try to believe in God without believing in the God man so you see with him he didn't say he came down with the ten commandments check your scripture but he didn't remind them he said bring all your gold and will make a God. It wasn't the people that made the God. It was Aaron. The man that does not enter the height of prayer will be the person that will lead people to idol worship. No, let me change that. The man of God that does not attend to the call of God in the top of the mountain will eventually lead people to their idol worship. It's always in them. The idol, what fashioned the idol was the things that they already had. 
He didn't say go and look for gold. It was what they already had. In other words, idol worship or the things that was always looking back to Egypt was in their possession. But a man of prayer would know that, no, I will not give them what they want. And sometimes he may not be the most celebrated. He'll be the one that they speak against. But Aaron, your brother Aaron, this is what, this is what God said to Moses. But your brother Aaron, he speaks well. No, he's a man of the people. He knows what to say to them. He knows how to keep them happy. He, his standard of worship, his standard of devotion is at the level of the people. So he knows how to meet. So do you know what's interesting? That it wasn't a golden bull. It was a golden calf. Do you know what that is? A baby cow. Something when you look at it, it, it it's soft. You know, bull, it, it represents um, um, masculine. It, it represents power. It represents authority. It represents actually the demand of God. They refused that. And they wanted a God that they can reason with. A cow is cute. It's all right. That's what they wanted. That's what Christians want. The God that will meet their, their cries. The gods that will meet their issues. But God says it's more than that. What I'm trying to do is for nations and generations. Well, carry on reading. I've gone ahead of myself, but carry on reading. Go Verse on. 4. Yeah. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving Please tool. Please note this down. The Bible says that Aaron fashioned it. Carry on reading. Go on. And the man of God. So you see the church that no longer prays, that speaks about success, fashioning an idol. People no longer look. You see, so what Moses was, was an example of a type of devotion that people should have. But what Aaron was, was an alternative. Aaron was an alternative. And what would he eventually do? Even though, you know, Aaron did not give them a replacement to God. He just gave them a God that they can hold. He actually called the calf God that took them from Egypt. He gave them, he said, so he looks at it, finances as being God. Listen to me, it's, I know that I'll be wealthy, but wealth is not the reason why I'm worshipping God. Moses did not care if he ate. This is what I want you to understand. His devotion was a higher level. And this is what God called the into. A devotion where you do not actually ask how you will live. You're on the mountain, you're not asking God, where's my food and water? Your livelihood is the fact that you can stay before God. In a place of prayer, we've been going for however many hours now. But we can keep going because we are Moses. We are Elijah. We are Christ. We are, not, we are people that people look for. We're not looking for the people. I don't care how Tomoa feels. What I'm going to bring to her is what God is saying. That's what's really going to take care of her. Carry on reading. Go on. And made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel. Go on. That brought you out of the land of Egypt. They referred to him. Are you paying attention? They ref so you know what people are doing right now? Prosperity has become an idol. Are you listening to me? Uh, you see, there's a difference between... Someone looks for prosperity to have a better life. I'm David. I look for prosperity for the sake of God's house. So if I get a million, it's not so that I can look like I have a better car. No, no, no. If I have a million, it's so that I can give a million or more to the house. 
my prosperity search is not for looking after my child it's for looking after God's house so look at what they said he said this is your God this is the one that delivered you from um, Egypt read it go on then they said this is your God yeah O Israel yeah that brought you out of the land of Egypt so when Aaron saw it he built an altar before it. so what they said was that you see when poverty, I mean, eventually when prosperity comes, when your first million comes, and I hope you don't do this, but when your first million comes, then people look at this and say, this is what brought you out of poverty. This is what brought you out of Egypt. No, it wasn't. It was a God you couldn't see. It was a call that's beyond you. It's a call that you cannot fashion with your hands. And what did the people do? Go on. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Listen to this. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. He said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So this, so Aaron was someone that eventually compromised to the people. He made an idol but called it God. So he was not in, introducing them to a worship of Baal. He introduced them to a, to a, a little level of God. A more reasonable a more acceptable worship of God. But you see what Aaron did? He tried to mask it by saying, this is your God. He tried to mask it by saying, this is the Lord. We're going to do a feast to the Lord. But then what happened? Go on. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. Look at what happened. When, re when standards reduced, look at what happened. They brought sacrifices. They brought offerings. But guess what was amongst the sacrifice and offerings? Are you guys listening to me? Yes. Guess what was amongst the sacrifice and offerings, guys? When the standard of devotion reduced. Listen, go on. And the people sat down to eat and drink. They ate and drank, yeah. And, and rose up to play. And rose up to play. You know another translation of what it says? They became involved in all kinds of sexual immorality. Nah, you've missed me. They got involved with Jezebel. You see, when Jezebel was able, the idol that was really in their heart, was only so that they can worship Satan. They can worship God before Satan. Satan has never come as a being. He comes through the idol things that you, the things that you idolize. So what they actually did is that, yes, they gave offerings and all of these things, but mixed with that wasn't the holiness that God asked for, was sexual morality. So let me say something. Those things linger when the standard of devotion is not high enough. Did you hear what I said? These things happen when the standard of devotion, the standard of prayer, the standard of following God is not high enough. God calls us to the mountaintop today. But carry on reading. We're almost done. Go on. And the Lord said to Moses. Are you guys ready to worship and pray? You're really going to have to groan on your own behalf because you're going to see in a moment God separates. And you know, Rick's also what was interesting. The only people that came to the Lord's side were those deemed as priests. You guys will think about that. Go on. And the Lord said to Moses, You know the lifestyle of a priest ever before the altar. Go on. Go get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Yeah. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. Yeah. They have made themselves a molded calf yeah. and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Again, what was frustrating to God? 
they needed an object to hold they wanted to hold God you know and, and that's what we do in our prayers sometimes we want to hold God we want to and when I say hold God not the search for more of him it's more like do what I need you to do that's what they wanted to worship they wanted they will worship a God that if they asked for money gave them money they wanted someone that they can hold but God was bigger than so God could not be reduced to a to an object that's what God was saying so even though they, they wanted control they wanted to control God that's what we do when we give we are trying to control say oh God show up for me next month whereas it may just be he wants you to show your worship so this is what Moses struggled to communicate to his generation this is why the Bible actually says that he said of himself that he's slow of tongue he struggled to communicate himself to his generation but you see what is lovely even in the midst of three million people God is faithful in keeping the line of seed going so there will be a Joshua so Joshua when God warned Moses that hey the people have gone to idol worship when Moses was on his way down he met um, Joshua along the way and Joshua said I hear the sound of war he heard in the capacity that he will be called in all he heard was warfare he didn't know so Moses had to tell him no God told me it's not warfare it's not mourning it's not victory it's actually singing carry on reading go on and the Lord said to Moses quiet I need you to be ready straight away I'm gonna hand it over to you in a second go on I have seen this people yeah. and indeed it is a stiff-necked people yeah now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them mm. and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said mm. Lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand yeah why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth turn from your fierce wrath wrath and relent from this harm to your people mm. remember Abraham Isaac and Israel your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven mm. and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people and Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand the tablets were written on both sides on the one side we're and, almost there go on and on the other they were written yeah. now the tablets were the work of God now the tablets were the work of God go on and the writing was the writing of God and the writing was the writing of God go on engraved on the tablets yeah and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted so he heard the noise meaning that he wasn't with the people well God if you're looking for your next leaders you see people that are with you and not the people and when I say with the people I'm talking people represent many worries many issues many situations but you see for Joshua we don't know how young he was but all he cared about was Moses he believed in this message to the generation 
and this was what was going to give him life to live up uh, to lead sorry in a new generation he wasn't with the people this is what i want you to see from scripture he wasn't with the masses he was only looking for the worship and devotion of god he was longing for the day that he will be invited to the mountaintop with moses are you hearing me guys but look at what he says what's the shame about aaron go on he said to Moses, yeah. there is a noise of war in the camp. Yeah. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, yeah. nor, the noise of the, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, yeah. that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, yeah. and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Mm. Then he took the calf which they had made, Malia. burned it in the fire and ground it to powder. Malia. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Yeah. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you? Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you? He didn't say to the people, what did Aaron do to you? He said to Aaron, what did the people do to you? You kept yourself in a place of prayer. You should have come up. You see, nothing stopped Aaron from being where Joshua was. He was not looking for a higher devotion. Do you know why? He had already been told he would be high priest. He already had a title. You see, title and devotion is two different things. I don't need a title to be devoted to God. What top title did Joshua have? He didn't have, other than he was the servant of Moses. And what did that make him be? The leader of Israel. So he said, what did the people do to you? Almost as if to blame the people, but go on. What, look, at, look at Aaron's response, go on. What did this people do to you? Yeah. That you have brought so great a sin upon them. Mm. So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. Yeah. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it Look off. Look at what he said, he said to them, whoever has any gold, bring it, break it off and bring it, go on. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire. They gave it to me and I cast it into the fire. And what happened? And this calf came out. And this calf came out. Do you know what he said? It just happened. According to scripture, the Bible says with a tool, he fashioned it. When Moses came, instead of him repenting of what he's done with the people, he said, look, it just happened. I threw it into the fire. There was no intention for this to become an idol. He became absent-minded. He became negligent. He said it just formed. The fire just took gold and formed it. He never took ownership of his situation. And what did that bring over the people? Go on. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, yeah. for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. He said when he saw that the people were now the one governing God's nation, when it should have been God governing his nation. What happened? He saw that they were unrestrained. Whatever they wanted to do, they wanted to do. But why were they able to do what they wanted to do? Because the level of devotion of Aaron was too low. 
he was at the base of the mountain when when um what's his name moses came the people would know they can't do this because he was the template of worship he was the template for them so what does the bible say let's end this then moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said whoever is on the lord's whoever side whoever is for the lord's side come to me whoever accepts my devotion come to me whoever recognizes that my devotion is what god has accepted that's why i can go to that mountaintop that's why i can have a face to face with god come to me and who came to him go on and all the sons of levi and all the priests those that understood that they were courts of royalty they were kings and priests unto god they were not like the people they knew that they were meant to be between the people and god not with the people what god sees in our generations are people that have become men of god of the people but god says that there's still a moses there's still an elijah there's still a christ and what i want you to understand is that people actually what moses was actually struggling to communicate was christ in him <laughs> what he was trying to communicate was christ in him but he didn't know how to you see when you see david's devotion david's devotion wasn't david it was actually christ in him you know christ in you is what makes you long for god it's christ in you that makes you desire for god what moses knew was that in him was the lineage of christ he knew that there was a that's why he could say that there's a prophet coming are you listening to me so what god is actually saying is that people in this world will remain living an unrestrained life if we don't step up our devotion and god calls you we babies we children he calls us to serve him with a level of devotion that not everyone can access but if we're there with the people the people will do what god needs them to do finish this off go on and all the sons of levi gathered themselves together to him so all of this was just to separate separate the levites from the normal people I don't know who you deem yourself to be if you believe the word of God that we have been made kings and priests unto our God. As we begin to pray and we're about to pray and we begin to worship, what you're pressing into is a new devotion. What I don't want from this whole um, experience of the 20 days, I don't want it to, because it is a season. Unfortunately, it's a season. I don't want it to be something that ends, but I haven't changed. I want it to be that now my standard in giving is different. It will be something that I struggle to communicate to somebody. If someone is going to obtain that same heart, it's from their observation of me. It's if they believe in me. It's if they believe that God has called me. Are you hearing me, COD? So COD, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to open up your mouths and pray. And everyone that's tuned in, what you're asking God is to bring you. Joshua was always lingering on the mountain. That was his prayer. That God, the, that God will bring him to the mountain top. God is asking us for a deeper devotion. Yeah, the standard of what you were doing was fine. People would give, but there was also sexual morality. Jezebel was still there. But God says a new level of devotion. A devotion where people have to look for you. People have to look for you. I want you to begin to pray, begin to groan, COD.